Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And this is the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, The Outrageous Guy Who is uh, kind of like Han Solo, but not outrageous or kind of... But I'm bum. But I'm bum. Jean-Luc Shorty Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transport a deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crusher's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Start the series. And uh, we have another Jason on the podcast again this week, and I feel like, uh, Jason, we have to apologize to you and give you a chance to really say your piece about this episode because the last episode you talked to us about i i feel like it was the classic bait and switch you it uh was. you you showed up like hey guys are we going to have a party and instead <laughs> we and gave then, you all of our taxes to fill out and uh you were just like this sucks i don't want to be here anymore we were we were talking about um uh conspiracy, conspiracy. yeah yeah i, I was going to say it was more like um Burns just hitting you with a bag of oranges, like. <laughs> but they're like you know, like rotten oranges, though. Not like fresh ones where I'm going to eat them. It was like the old ones that they didn't sell. You ruined my entire childhood. You, uh, you, I mean, you, you weren't so wounded that you were, you know, unwilling to come back for for round two. Uh, you're here for outrageous Okana. Is this part of the healing process? Did your therapist say you need to confront your fears? What what brings you what brings you back to the show? Uh, Joe Piscopo, man. <laughs> that was the only thing that brought me back. I said, screw those guys. But then you said, hey, do you want to do that episode with some washed up SNL actor? And I said, yeah, all right. Yeah. And before the you show, you said, he's on SNL. And we both said, wait, really? Yep. Yeah. So are we like super young? Is that why? Yeah, don't I don't know. know. Or... I don't think so. No, I mean, I I believe I believe I feel jo- super old. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, Joe Piscopo guest stars as you know the comic in in this episode when when Data goes on his quest to to learn to be funny. This is um, there's there's it a lot been of... called Data's Strange Vision Quest. That would have been just as a good of a title. <laughs> it's probably accurate. Yeah, it's probably accurate. But uh, yeah, the the when he goes to the holodeck to learn computer, what is funny? Um, you know, they, they summon up Joe Piscopo, apparently the funniest person they could afford to bring on in the late 80s, which, eh, That's saying know. something. Yeah, yeah. Eddie so, Murphy was busy, I guess. It, uh, <laughs> apparently, I looked this up, they were, at one point they wanted actually Jerry Lewis to be here. Oh, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, and uh, he had a scheduling conflict or something, and he wasn't able to, uh, or that's what he told them before he bowed out and said, "I'm not." He saw season one, so he's like, uh, "Nah, that's all right." <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, he's like, "Look, guys, this is a cute show. Now we got. do quality cinema mm-hmm. <laughs> nowadays." <laughs> mm-hmm. So ironically, they get uh, budget rate Joe Piscopo on, and Joe Piscopo does a Jerry Lewis impersonation. It's 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 very strange. It's yeah, the but, peak of humor just. <laughs> 
You know, because nothing says, you know, timely comedy in the late 80s like Jerry Lewis. <laughs> right. Come on. Yep. <laughs> Timeless. So, um, so other Jason, I, I have to yep. ask, what what are your thoughts and feelings on, on this, the most outrageous of O'Connor's, uh, this episode? Uh, you know, I, I remember liking this episode mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> and then I rewatched it yesterday and sort of like, yeah, that's all right. But man. I thought there was a lot more of the stand-up comedy stuff <laughs> than there actually is, and uh, the wannabe Han Solo uh, kind of not doing it for me <laughs> anymore, <laughs> despite that awesome ponytail, despite it. Despite yeah, that ponytail. Boy, that ponytail. That's a big one, too. I... That's no rat tail, boys. That's a big one. I, I want to go on record as saying this. I think my reaction to this episode is exactly the same as yours was. I, I remember liking this episode. Um, I don't know if I just saw it when I was a kid or what, but like I, w- I went back and watched it, and um, I still I still kind of like this episode, and I can't for the life of you tell tell you at all why. Like I, I can't I, I can't summon it within me to find a shred of anything in this episode that is defensible, but still if Whoopi it's Goldberg on, yeah, I mean was Whoopi. awesome in this episode. <laughs> no. I, I, well. I mean, no, she wasn't. <laughs> like, I, I mean, she, there's there's tons of other episodes where she's way better. <laughs> um, she, she had the line of the episode. Come on. Oh, it you is so good. It it's so good. Wait, which one? Which one? Because you're a droid and I'm annoyed. <laughs> Tell me that is not the best line it of is, this episode. It is, it is the best line in the and episode. And maybe the series? Down. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, you know, that episode where Picard's like, there are four lights. Like, people quote that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're a droid. I'm annoyed. Tops that, personally. You think you think going back, if, uh, if they can put an edit on her Hollywood, you know, Walk of Fame star, they should just, like, put that right below it? <laughs> they should put that weird hat on her... Hollywood star that she wears yes. on TNG. I yes. think that'd be cool. I agree. Handprints, weird hat. Yes. The I think I think what's interesting about this episode in its entirety um, is that it's like there's this weird episode that it's trying to be that it just isn't successfully being, which is like I, I, it it almost strikes me as like the writing crew from Alf. Like guest starred as the writing crew for Trek this week, and they were yeah, just like, yeah. "What kind of zany things can we have happen? I don't know. Can it be more zany? Like, I just feel like the word zany was thrown around in the writers' room a lot, and that was like, uh, that was the mission statement for this episode. Like, we just want it to be a zany good time. We they wanted some levity. Can't blame them." And it's kind it's of I mean, space. it's kind of fun, right? Like, I mean, it's sort of it's kind of a stranger in a strange land kind of tale, right? If you look at it from Okana's perspective, because he's he's like a just a dude. Like, he is a very Han Solo type. It would be like if you pulled Han Solo out of the original trilogy, stripped away most of the stuff that made him cool, and then like put him on <laughs> the Enterprise and let him just wander around for a while. Uh, also, he still has a vest. That is like half of Han Solo's coolness. Come on, that's, dude. That's kind of true. Yeah, that's Troy true. has some lines there, right? Troy has a line that is, uh, oh, what did she say? She says, like, there's a bunch of words that describe him. Uh, his emotion suggests that he's mischievous, irreverent, and somewhat <laughs> brazen. 
the word that seems to describe him best is, and it's like, she wants to say scoundrel. And it's like, oh, rogue. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, brigand. Yes, And exactly. she wants to say, like, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Right. Like, yep. Yep. Yo, but what if she had said that? Wouldn't oh, that would great. You can't cross the streams like that. Who knows what would have happened? That's uh, probably prime directive number two. I mean, the don't interfere one is pretty big, <laughs> I guess. But also, don't <laughs> reference Star Wars is, is on well, there, so there's sure. some prime directive in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the setup, right? We've been talking about Okana. But they find this guy, like, basically drifting in space, and his ship's broken. And they're, they're like, hey, can we help you? And start <laughs> helping him, right? And that's pretty broad strokes, but that's more or less the same thing that starts off um, Symbiosis in Season 1. Precisely. Yeah. I actually and wrote, as I was watching this episode, did they learn nothing from symbiosis? <laughs> yeah, well, because and when we talked about symbiosis, I was trying to make a point of, like, you know, this should be all the time, right? This this is a situation where they should help no one in this situation. They shouldn't, like, wait for the situation to play out and see if it's cool or not. They should just be like, oh, you have a ship that has lasers and stuff on it. Um, we probably shouldn't be helping you out. Like, see ya. And prime directive right? but that yeah. does not get that does not get called up at all in this episode which is yeah. interesting well they kind of they, they this is another episode where um you can see they're they're actively on screen workshopping what the prime directive is mm-hmm. and and i think it's kind of fascinating really when you look at this because this is another one where they start leaning in the direction that the prime directive essentially applies to pre-warp civilizations and that's it, um, because this seems to be like they, they they don't have a problem with it. They don't talk about it as a moral quandary. They're just like, oh, yeah, OK, we'll help him because he's in an interstellar ship. Right. He's in some sort of an interstellar craft. And that is that is essentially the modern prime directive. Right. Like that's why um, uh, that's why they're able to because this, this happens all the time in Trek. They they're oh, there's a ship in distress. OK, we'll go help them. Um, it, it, they eventually settle upon the fact that it is, you know, civilizations that are aware of other sentient beings in the galaxy, you know, Prime Directive doesn't apply. Everybody else, you know, if you're cave people or proto-Vulcans or whatever on, on some backwood planet and you look up at the skies and grunt and, and whatever, then you're, you're Prime Directive territory. But everybody else is just in this galactic society and they do kind of uh, the thing that infuriates me the most about this episode is this is one of those episodes where they don't even name the kind of people that Okana and all these other people are they literally just call them humanoids which I guess is just an excuse to be like they look just like humans except they're not Uh, and I'm like ugh there's nothing more lazy than that which is well they couldn't even stick some glue on some fake noses in the back and put them on the people in this episode they're just like well they're humanoids right yeah well you're a droid and he's annoyed (laughs) I'm annoyed yeah they could have had a call back there that would have you know (laughs) they could have really done something there they could have just brought that thing full circle so so these (laughs) these people who are you know human but not human um the, the thing that I did like about, um, you know, we talk about the technology and the technology level. Um, they're doing some of that universe building in this episode, which is neat. That is like establishing the Federation as um, a, a, a organization in the galaxy, which is kind of on the cutting edge of technology, right? Like, certainly. This certainly. is, um, you know, th- this 
Next Generation differs from the original Trek in that the Federation is is much more established. It's much larger. And, you know, this kind of goes a long way to basically establish the idea of, of what the Alpha Quadrant, you know, in the galaxy superpowers are, which are basically the Federation, the Klingon Empire, the Romulans, and... You know, mostly that until the Cardassians come along. Don't forget about the Ferengi. <laughs> well, the Ferengi, but they they're they're gonna start you know retconning a yeah, lot of that. They're downplaying here those. Soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, it do, it does raise an interesting question though, because the the thing I walk away from this episode with is the question of how many um, human or humanoid um, species there are on planets that are not Federation citizens that have some sort of inter interplanetary or interstellar travel um, and are just kind of like wandering around. Because to run into two that are close just seems weird, um, it, you know. It, and and without, especially without calling out, like, are they the same race? Or are they just like warring people that are basically the same species on the same? You know, it, it it raises a lot of questions without answering any, really. Yeah. Well, and this episode doesn't seem incredibly interested in in building in out universe them. building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, That's I mean, point. it might be establishing some stuff about the Federation, but I mean, they're just. These people are just there to serve as, you know, whatever the, the the script needs them to be for this week's, you know, tale. Well, but the question is, how absent is the Federation from those t type of worlds? Like, do they obviously know of the Federation? Um, like, what does it take to get invited in? Or what does it take for them to say, hey, this is a thing we should probably join? Yeah. Yeah, and there there is a lot of that. We'll start to see some of that as as the show progresses. Actually, there's a lot of scripts which deal with, um, you know, civilizations being considered for Federation member status and, and that kind of thing. All you kind of know is that these guys are just sort of along the way um, to whatever the Enterprise is bebopping along to. And I, and I think here's what I think about this episode. This episode is kind of a stinker for a number of reasons. Like it's just. They're out there and they're really trying, but but I mean, I think what what's really hard to watch about this episode is it's kind of like it's it's really hard to watch a friend who you know isn't funny like try to be funny. And in a weird way, like this episode is data, right? In this episode. Like this episode is really wanting to be funny, <laughs> like fun and lighthearted, and it's just often not, and it's a couple of times super cringy. Um but it's also lighthearted enough to be kind of endearing because you get to see the crew kind of kind of just casual a little bit, right? Like you get to see him sort of be like, eh, I guess, whatever. That guy's, you know, he, he, I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words. But like, since there's so little at stake for the actual Enterprise crew, it's actually kind of fun to just watch them be more casual because the whole story is is casual, if that makes sense. Like... Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Um, I, I mean, because look at the stakes. There's literally, like, there's no threat to the Enterprise, like, at all. They even go out of their way to, to point out what a non-threat this whole situation is. Yeah, the the scene where Riker and, and um, where they're like, oh, they've locked lasers, like, mm -hmm. and he says, like, well, protocol says we should raise shields, I guess, but Picard says something like, you know, they, they wouldn't even be able to get through our navigational shields with that, like. Right, right. You, yeah, they drop the, the stakes. Shields. Yeah, it's like they, they set the stakes really low. You're right on that. Yeah. Um, and, and I love the bit where um, 
where Picard says, you know, okay, we'll go to yellow alert, but we'll drop the shields. And and Riker's okay, like yeah, that's right. really worried. And he's like, why? And then Picard just without hesitating is like, in case we want to surrender to them, number one. And like, you know, very clearly deadpan, really nice. And then Riker just has that grin because like, they're just like, well, this is weird, but whatever, we'll just go with it, you know? And, and it's, it's fun to see that side of, uh, of the crew, I think because it's something you you rarely get to see a lot of times we're really trying to pump up the stakes and build the drama and in this one it is just it's a very strangely chill episode um which is maybe why i like it so much because there aren't a lot of those yeah and and part of it though i mean it it comes down to this weird like quote-unquote like mystery of what this guy has done and um so they, they bring on this uh han solo and then two other ships show up and both demand him and um, have reasons for um, demanding that he they be released to him. And then um, he's like, well, yeah, I didn't do any of that. But, you know, maybe you think I did because all signs point to yes. Yeah. And uh, and then Picard invites everybody on board and they sit around and talk it out. Right? It's more or less the episode. And that's the episode. But yeah. It's, it's such a weird... Oh, that's right. There's a line in there. Um I wrote down this note about the conference mode, full conference <laughs> mode on the viewer. <laughs> there like, are what is that ever used again? Or they have like line, split screen? Like, nope. Oh, it was really. so bad. Yeah. So that. Oh boy. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff in in the these first two seasons of TNG that just like. They throw it out there because it kind of sounds pseudo-technical or it would have sounded pseudo-technical to a 1980s level era of, of technology, you know, audience. But Boy. looking at it now, it's just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, I guess oof. a full conference mode, like the idea of two people being on a computer with you at the same time, precisely what we're doing, would have seemed pretty cool in the 80s. But yeah. Yeah, there's this there's this whole like weird vein that runs throughout. I mean, even like the entirety of Next Generation to a degree, which is um, that the the Enterprise is this weird kind of space bureaucracy in action, really, um, because the the bridge sort of looks like a lounge from a from a you know a corporate skyrise. Like everything is beige as if it were designed by a committee. Um, they have a conference room with a long table and, you know, PowerPoint sessions regularly. Like the, the whole, uh, if there's anything to me that, that really looks like it's 1980s, it's that, you know, there's that whole eighties go, go wall street, um, you know, uh, high rise tower kind of obsession with that equaling success and since the Federation is in the 24th century, they must be a successful organization. And, like, it's just strange to look at it through that lens now, I think, that that's what people in the 80s thought futuristic, successful organizations look like and how they operated. So it sort of informs, like, all of their <laughs> all of their language, really. Like, to just, you know, viewer on full conference mode. It's like you may as well be on a on an investment, you know, reportings call with uh, <laughs> with your board. But, like... Instead, you're talking to humanoid number one with a knocked up daughter and humanoid number two with a stolen ancient family jewel and both of them saying, it's that guy's fault, pointing to ponytailed Han Solo. And um, so it's just, it's a a very strange episode. It's, I don't know if you guys also um, caught this, but the uh, transporter chief who beams him aboard. uh, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. 
yeah um i was like wait a minute um yeah yeah it's pretty clear because it's like oh what's terry hatcher doing there <laughs> i mean we knew, we knew like, what she was doing there oh right hello right. And then, yeah, and then that just plays out as as expected. She was the first of three stops in the in the yeah. ship that he made. And that's yeah, the ca- casual eighties sexism. Pretty yeah, much yeah. Just... I love that wharf line though, when they're saying like, "Where is O'Connor? He's not responding to our comm. He's been reported at three different crew corners. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else had funnier lines than Joe Piscopo in this episode. I gotta say. Yeah, if I did get any like actual hearty chuckles, it was basically everything that Joe Piscopo wasn't doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that was the point. the The other thing that I thought was really weird is uh, you, you brought up Worf, and Worf has some good moments here too. Um, he's really, really annoyed at everything that's happening. Um, he uh, he's really concerned when the order for the shields gets uh, to the order for the shields to be dropped gets given. Um, even though they just have lasers, he uh, he compares the annoyances that they're um, that they're experiencing from these two ships to like buzzing, like a literal buzzing of flies. I believe he calls them like glob flies or something. Like you know, it's a type of Klingon fly with a buzzing that sounds like this, and then and then you know, data it's big just, and it has you know a, an axe probably or something. It's Klingon. It basically it basically looks like those mosquitoes from the Fallout games, right? Like they're just the size of a house. Uh, like, oh, yeah. Probably, um, and then uh, the one weird thing that I had from Worf in this episode is when he's when he's literally pulling Okana out of the third crew person's head, uh, quarters, and she's literally the worst of all because she's just not given anything to do other than to stand there in a nighty and then literally kick the sand almost when he walks out like, oh, I was gonna get sexed, you know, and like <laughs> looking all disappointed. Um, he uh they have that interesting like interaction where Worf is there to be like you have to talk to the captain cuz this episode needs to be over and Okana just <laughs> yeah, like yeah, stares yeah. at him and um and you know they have this like weird kind of like mono a mono stare down and then Worf's response is to grunt and be like oh i'd like that and i'm like wait what are the undertones here cuz i sex yeah it's a very confused episode <laughs> it it does raise the question though like and, and this is part of the state's Six. stakes but um why everyone just immediately loves him like if they had if the third act reveal is that he had some mild telepathy or something like it would almost work because everyone just immediately loves him yeah he's got a ponytail, Troy, dude i right? already said it he's got a ponytail it, yeah but it, i mean <laughs> that's all Troy he is also space Troy ponytail. is taken with him and and <laughs> Right, there's a there's a mystery that gets uncovered that he's not the one that did this that the two kids that were brought along did it, and yeah they did do it yes they did huh high five huh huh woo <laughs> uh, okay sorry there you go boom 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 well I I forgot what I was saying <laughs> take my wharf please. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Well, this is better than the episode. Oh, man. Um, the timing is better. My timing is digital. <laughs> okay, go on. So Troy Troy spends the whole episode watching people lie, right? Yes. And 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 just stands there and is like, I'm not sure what is going on. And then at the end, when it gets revealed, she's so smug that like, oh, of course that was it. And like, you could have figured this out at any point like you could have been like i sense deception and you she didn't she let 
this guy be on the hook the whole time and didn't give the captain any useful information. Her powers don't work on rogues. Oh boy, yeah, oh. yeah. This is there's new rule. Toy Darians. <laughs> That's why they didn't. That they're yeah, they're just humanoid Tadarians. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you get to that point already, Paul, you've gone like way too far. Like everything <laughs> in this episode is like, I, I have never seen an episode signpost quite so hard. Folks, comma, don't take any of this oh, seriously. Yeah. You know, this is the definition of a filler episode. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's it's really kind of incredible that um that, that this episode kind of exists at all because, you know, Star Trek is uh at moments lighthearted and there's some actual. I mean, we'll we'll get to some episodes later which are legitimately you know pretty funny in some spots. Um, but but this one. I, I just have to imagine that this episode um, and how it came together, I, I tried to look to see if there was any of this on record. There, there's not. But the whole backstory behind season two is that they're just, they're right in the middle of the writer's strike in the late 80s. So I have to imagine this is another one of those, good God, we have to get something produced. What do we have? Somebody write something. Because we got actors mm-hmm. showing up and we got to shoot. Like, we got film, we got to shoot it, and we got to get it out there because we got episodes. Um, and and I think, you know, somebody was like, what if Han Solo was in Star Trek? And they were like, well, that's, you know, copyright, so we'll give him a ponytail. And then um, somebody was like, what if Data wanted to be funny? Sure, let's use that. Jerry Lewis can't show up to be his inspiration, <laughs> so we'll get Joe Piscopo because he's cheap. We can get Fine. Joe Piscopo at scale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so we're on a pretty we limited have an budget episode. Here. You know, yeah, Borumpo. Well, there's a, there's your we, show. We've talked a little bit about the data side and then just kind of said, you know, that's data being funny. I, I think that is probably the more most endearing part of the episode, though, right? Yes. The, oh, and, yeah. and Joe Piscopo doesn't help, but he's not the part that's important. The part is that, that um, O'Connor kind of points out that data doesn't understand what funny is yeah and then Guinan reinforces it and 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 um Guinan does a good job there right with a joke that again is maybe the strongest part of the episode um but then that prompts data to go to the holodeck and try to figure it out and that's um pretty classic data of of um the innocence of trying to figure out something that everyone else just sort of understands yeah the, uh, and it's good the moment where he says to the comic like um I wish to know funny. I want to join in. I just wanted to give him a big hug, right? Because yeah, it's like, ah, yeah. buddy, like it's okay. Because you know, I mean, though you know he doesn't feel like the emotion of being left out. He notices that he is, and and he enjoys the companionship of of his crew and his his friends so much that he just wants to like join in that observed camaraderie and like. That that line is worked in, and it's they don't dwell on it, but it literally like I mean you know Brent Spiner delivering it in the way that only he can, where he's clearly not feeling, but still kind of coming really close to like the border of what that is, and, and you know he knows he's missing out, and it's just so genuine and so very sweet that that is yeah that moment happened, and I was like ah oh, data, it's okay buddy, like you'll get yeah. there, you know that the fact that he. Yeah, the fact that he keeps calling him Mister Comic too, <laughs> Mister Comic, so good. Uh huh, Mister Comic. I wish to know what funny. Is. I, yeah. Why couldn't I they just use his actual name? Is what I don't get. Because they reference other comedians. 
Like when he's looking up the holodeck thing. Well, and some quantum physicist, apparently. But Well, uh, and also, if you're watching the HD, uh, the, the refresh, um, they, they have actual legitimate names in there. And the one that comes up for uh, Joe Piscopo right before he's actually summoned into the holodeck is, I believe, Ronald D. Moore, which I think is really funny. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was looking at that because it came through pretty clear as I was watching it. I'm, I'm almost certain it says Ronald D. Moore. <laughs> That's weird. Who, who is, you know, he had just That's joined, awesome. I think, as a writer at that point. Um, yeah. So it's they, they put in fake names in there. And I, I think there's this unwritten rule... Um, in science fiction, particularly in Trek, that they never want to, um, they never want to directly reference any yeah. any current uh, material in order to kind of keep it a little timeless. Which is funny when you think about it, because this episode is one of the more dated yeah, episodes. Did not work. Well, <laughs> it backfired and, and, big time. And from canon, right? Uh, uh, from canon in the '90s, like it's supposed to be a genetic war. You know, that's where Conduit and Singh, like, yeah. they've already set up that things are supposed to be different on earth at that time so yeah. pulling someone contemporary to the show um isn't doesn't necessarily break canon but it, it starts to get into a dangerous situation that i think what you're saying is right burns they just they just avoid to yeah. not ever bring that up although to be fair i believe the uh the exact date of the eugenics wars and like that stuff with with con Nooney and singh and all that stuff has been retconned a couple of times already just because I don't think anyone expected the show to be on for 50 years. Uh, yeah, true. So, you know, yeah. they, they've had to do that. I mean, they did some of that even in um, Deep Space Nine where there's that uh, that excellent episode where they go back into the, the basically the, the segregated city which has the, the districts for, for the poor people. I mean, mm -hmm. that happens in the, in the 21st century well after yeah, everything should have been toasted for, by the, the eugenics wars. So they've They've clearly kind of made acknowledgments that, hey, we're shooting this show in the 90s, so that yeah. can't be the yeah, yeah. 90s anymore. Um, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I guess, well, yeah, I just looked up really quick. Space Heed says that he ruled uh, from 1992 to 96. Yep, exactly. Um, so. And at this time, you know, we're four years away from 1992, so they're like, hey, yeah, yeah, so exactly. that doesn't work anymore. Uh, <laughs> hmm. So... <laughs> I mean, that that is the episode. We can kind of talk about some more particulars, but I, I really kind of want to get into, um, you know, Paul, you've been largely talking about the episode, but not talking about your feelings in your very Vulcan way, because, spoiler alert, Paul's a Vulcan. Um, I knew it. <laughs> You're a droid. You're, yeah, and I'm Green-butted hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, how does this episode make you feel, you green-blooded hobgoblin? Yes. Yeah, yeah. T tell me about your feelings. <laughs> um, this this one. I, I, so at the beginning, I um, I think I was on the same place, the same sort of um, place you were yeah. when you described this. That um, I, I didn't remember this one being good. I did not remember any redeeming parts of this. I just expected to go in and say this episode's bad, um, and, and and it should make you feel bad. And it was since the bar was set so low maybe a little better but the better parts were certainly the data parts yeah. um and i remember hating joe piscopo in this <laughs> which maybe <laughs> makes feel like that makes other jason feel a little sad but um you didn't even I, know who he was 16 minutes ago you're like wait he was on snl who's this guy yeah really i mean he was that guy on this episode um <laughs> well and and literally speaking of uh, of other jason uh you're like the only guy who's shown up to, with this episode and, and like actually done your homework because you looked into uh, Joe Piscopo a little bit, and then um, the guy who plays Okana, 
I think you dropped a truth bomb on us a while ago. He, he yeah, has, yeah, I should have. In his yeah, film career, um, yeah. He's, he has some other ones. He's got some he credits. Some yeah. Yeah, man. He was in this movie called The Night We Met. Haven't you heard of that? No. Really wait, that's one. where he's from? No. Oh, my so, God. That movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, this dude was the freaking Rocketeer, man. Yeah, that blew my mind. He's when got you said some it. serious credit. Yeah, I, I didn't. Blew my I mind. mean, he looks like that guy. I didn't put it together, though. It was the lack of ponytail, I guess, probably. Well, that but, would uh, get, catch fire, right? The, the rocket, rocket pack. Yeah, it would probably it would hang just burn off too. really quick. Yeah. But so. you know how badass that would look, like hanging out the, <laughs> the bottom of the helmet there. So is it? In the wind. Uh, what, what's his name? What's the actor's name? Uh, Billy Campbell. Billy Campbell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he. Um, yep. So he he doesn't have a huge filmography though, right? Like, I mean, The Rocketeer no, is really. basically it, which is um, amazing to me because that's that's a fantastic film. But I think. But that's that's one of those like sort of cult films like not a lot of people have even seen the rocketeer Mm -hmm. for some reason i think if you're a certain age you definitely have seen it but yeah uh he's he's also in bram stoker's dracula that's the only other thing that um stuck out was he dracula no uh he was quincy (laughs) morris you know he played quincy jones That would be a better take, I think. But, yeah, uh, I guess uh, part of the reason is right here. The budget for uh, the Rocketeer was forty million, and eventually its box office take was like forty-six million, which is like, like I think that was expected to be a bigger hit. Um, yeah, yep, 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 yeah. But hmm. that's that's a fantastic. And like he's a pretty good actor. Like I think he's also. Yeah. I think he's the reason this episode, like, despite the fact that it just kind of like. You you should look at all the parts of this episode and be like, wow, that's got to suck. Like, he's actually kind of fun to watch. So, like, Paul, in answer to your question of, like, why does the crew, you know, all, why are they all smitten with him? I literally never asked that question because I he just walked on screen. And I was like, all right, this guy's okay. I mean, even though he's the worst. And, and <laughs> yeah, and I think there's something, I think there's something had here to be had um, in, in sort of a modern conversation way, way beyond what they would have been thinking when they wrote this episode. Um, but he really just embodies privilege, right? He, he, if, if you put like a Ferengi or or a Klingon in this situation, um, they would have not show the same. Uh, just open up the doors to this guy, sort of, <laughs> sort of feel to yeah. it, right? Yeah, true. Um, like he, <laughs> they they give him whatever he wants. It's it's this okay this counter argument. Yeah. What if Ferengi had a bitch and ponytail <laughs> and like stonewashed jeans like this guy i would love to watch this episode where this guy was played by a ferengi right that would be damon stonewashed jeans and... <laughs> emails <laughs> oh man it would it would work so much better if he saw terry hatcher and yelled female i mean best episode ever right paul you you just made me think things and feel things and now i'm uncomfortable and this makes that makes this the most star trek episode we've ever talked about i think (laughs) damn it that's good i mean there is a serious conversation i had about you know casting in these type of shows yeah i mean it's a freaking universe it's mostly white people mostly white dudes yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't know about that remember starfleet three white dudes that was it (laughs) yeah You can teach. Oh, come on. You can teach this, this. I didn't. I didn't even think to look at it at that through that lens. To my eternal shame. And now that, like, God, now I can't unsee, you can't unsee it. it. Yeah, yeah, Holy you can't. Man. That's, that's, that's the blinders, man. Whoa. That's. that's I mean, but, other Jason just got woke. <laughs> <laughs> just got woke. 
<laughs> it's um you you you're touching on one note that I did make here towards the end which is basically that the the most redeeming thing about this episode that I could have is that it is another one of those time capsule episodes, right? That it's oh, yeah, like it's very very time capsule. You you know, you, you show this to somebody and you're like, "Well, so this is I guess what the world was kind of like in the late 80s." So, you know, cuz I I mean uh, the irony being that they wanted it to be timeless, and it is just so timely. But you're right. I mean, specifically t- speaking to uh, to privilege. Oh my god! Wow. Well, even um, the a plot of this is very like the, the like the captain and I believe the, some other people in the crew comment on like how weird this squabble that these two parties that want Okana have, where it's yeah. like you know even though this seems primitive and weird, like this is very important to them. And that's their comment on that part. But then when you look at the whole show, it's kind of like, yeah, we feel that way about the whole thing now. Like, it's not just right, the... Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, at the time they were... And that was that was the one thing that I think was kind of refreshing to see is that um, the, the whole idea of, like, this man defending the honor of his daughter, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they did actually hold that up and be like, okay, so it seems primitive, but, but you know, whatever, it's their culture. And I was like, okay, so that's kind of like advanced but then you step one step further back and you look at this whole episode and you're like no it's not that advanced or you just look at troy she's still wearing some weird outfit she's not wearing the skirt anymore but it's still like ah come on she's still in her pajamas uniform yeah yeah i mean come on i mean they're all kind of wearing pajamas to be honest but right but (laughs) except picard his pajamas are actually different and (laughs) may i say sexy (laughs) when he gets that blazer hell yeah that kimono man right it's like short kimono (laughs) So what do we say about this episode just in terms of, I, I mean, because I'm at a real, I'm, at, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I, I'm kind of struggling with this one because it is weirdly endearing to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Th- none of this works the way it should or, or, or can when well, Star Trek is the... good, but I still like it. Like, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I think, I think the, the, the sort of, um, the thing that, it sort of acts as a microcosm to this whole episode is data at the end standing on that stage and then giving a thumbs up off stage and the audience laughing and realizing that that he's doing something that doesn't make sense and that that a is not not necessarily causing b that a, it's just all happening sort of outside of his control and if he he didn't get it he didn't get it from this uh and it didn't work right mm-hmm. data walks away from this um and hasn't grown because he's incapable of growing in this way at this point in um, in this series, yeah. And that realization that Data comes to is, if there is any growth, it, that's where it is. He hasn't gotten funnier. He hasn't figured out what funny is. He's realized that he can't, um, and that's yeah. itself maybe again that speaks to this whole episode. That like this episode really can't be good, but in in understanding that it can't. Right, as you said at the beginning, um, that this is a filler episode. It is signposted the whole way that nothing matters, <laughs> nothing really matters here. Um, Friggin' nihilist, th- man! Look at this. Listen to this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in a strange way, that's data believes in nothing. I don't know, though. I mean, I gotta to to counterpoint other Jason. Like right now, if you had a newsletter, Paul, I'd be clicking subscribe. I'm like, I'm these these ideas you're throwing out there. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm down. Like I'm I'm kind of there. You're you're. I think you're right. Exactly hitting on the truth of it. That this episode is is doing everything that it can with what it has, which just isn't much. I mean, it's just there's not much there, but it's somehow admirable in the way that it like 
brushes up with success, but just never can really get there. Um, wow. I, I think anytime Data wrestles with humanity, it's almost mm-hmm. always a good episode. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yep. yep. Like that, if that had been the whole episode, I'd have been totally fine with it. Like yes. the A plot of this is, I don't know, it's all right. But uh, despite the terrible jokes and stuff, the B plot is still the heart of this episode. Well, and, and yeah. the fact that he is trying to learn funny from someone who we kind of are looking back and saying isn't really that funny, <laughs> uh, even it even makes it more poignant, right? That he doesn't understand what he should be doing, right? He just goes yeah. and asks one Mr. Comic. Yeah, yeah. Even in his selection of, of comic. Yeah, exactly. His role model like he's is doing it wrong. Right? It's all he, off the mark. Yeah. He should have walked out of that holodeck the instant Jerry Lewis made an appearance <laughs> with the teeth. He should have walked out of there. <laughs> but we can understand that he should, but he can't, right? And that's the, the beauty of this data part, right? The data part is written well. You're making me question everything about this episode because I was just convinced that, like, maybe Joe Biscopo isn't funny and he's sort of a hack, but maybe he maybe he was playing that that way to be a no, terrible comic. Right, This is they backed into this. But. No, yeah, I, I, don't I, I, I don't know anymore. I, I don't know anymore, Paul. I just got woke. And I this don't would have know. Been, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of open. parallels. And it would have been, I think the parallel, like, if he had been like, I want to learn to paint, and then he called up, like, George W. Bush to teach him to paint. <laughs> I think that would be the parallel. Here's how you right? paint a little dog. Uh, and that w- I would bush. watch that. I would watch that like crazy, let me tell you. But you put a little bush over here. <laughs> <laughs> and at every point, there, there's always a tipping point. And I think we've reached ours. With that, oh, I think we just need to, to, to find some sort to of make a, our Make our votes. Make I, our votes. Because all of us have been walking around it, but... Yeah, so choose. Now we must decide. And uh, other Jason, since you were slighted horribly uh, the last time you were on the show, start us off. Boldly proclaim. Is this is this thumbs up? This should be watched by everyone or, you know, uh, is this kind of... Everybody? No question. Okay. No question. Really? Yeah. No. I, 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 uh, I mean, I... Listen, I, I was already woke, I, I gotta admit, but uh, <laughs> the data stuff, it hits home, man. It, it's, for yeah. whatever cheese is in this episode, um, that's a, cru- his quest for humanity is a crucial part of TNG, and this this is this is part of it. You gotta watch it. Hmm. And also, you gotta watch a terrible Jerry Lewis impression, unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's a good one. I don't even know. I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did he do that kind of stuff with the teeth? And I don't know. Uh, he did. Stick, he, right? he did. That's his, that's his. That thing. sounds like yeah, great comedy. I'm sad I missed that. Yeah, uh, Paul. <laughs> well, so um, yeah, like I said, I came in thinking that I was that I was just going to hate this, and 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 it is the data parts, um, and I think I just have to, I do have to agree with with other Jason on this one um, that that this is watchable as a as a, a fun filler, um, and I think I mean we recommended some episodes earlier in the season that I think are worse. Um, that I got outvoted on, but um, yeah, <laughs> a little bitter. Think, yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, I, I, and and one redeeming to me. characteristic of this that uh, <laughs> that I haven't talked about: Pulaski's not in this episode. Oh God, oh. thank you. That's why that I was, love this. That episode. was going to be my oh. best. Oh, yeah, spoil it. <laughs> so, oh. So, um, yeah, but I, I I when we did conspiracy, right? I was on the fence as that deciding vote, and and Burns convinced me that was it was I liked it. But I didn't like it because it was Star Trek. I liked it because it was something else, and I still stand by that. But I gotta, I gotta give it to uh, the other Jason this time, right? It's fun, 
and it's still kind of Star Trek-y. Yeah. yeah. Conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. I, well. Don't overthink it. I, yeah, I gotta say watch. I gotta, I gotta go with watch, and I can't, I, I just, the, the only part of me that's really upset about the watch is not that I'm saying watch or that people will watch this. Uh, it's, it's that, uh, this one gets a unanimous vote, and I think there are far better episodes that have been more contentious than this. Um, it's not a, it's not a good episode. It's, I mean, in fact, there, there are portions, there are portions of this episode which are downright awful. Um, but the, the, when you get to the stuff that works, I feel like it's so core to who Data is and what Star Trek is that it kind of, you kind of have to watch it. And you sort of, I mean, it's also there so that if you really make it through episodes like this, then you're, you're a fan. You'll be okay. Um, well, and, boy, and I, don't I think know. There, <sighs> there is a part of this, right, that, that Okana is not someone that should be, like, we're not saying Okana's a good person. We're, in fact, saying the opposite. Right, that that this is someone. Um, this is a time capsule episode where you look back, and and this was what was considered. Um, I don't even know what it was considered in the eighties, but well, I this think was we think, are, th- th- think about the way uh, Riker describes Okana. Um, this was considered an ideal of of the uh, the free spirited white male, right? Yeah. Like this yep. is he lives his life by his own set of rules. He's a yep. man that don't take no guff from anybody. Like, yeah, this th- is the this is the fifties rebel, right? This yeah. is James Dean. I mean, there's a lot of shades of like uh, you know American exceptionalism in here, almost because yeah. it's like yeah. I mean, I mean he he's the kind of man that doesn't need rules, you know, and it's. And the way that it's held up is is a very weird thing when you look at it now because he's just kind of a creep. I mean, really, when you get right down to it. But but yeah, for some reason, you can see that this was held up as like a like a monument of like, oh wow, he's so independent, you know. And, and yeah, yeah, it's wow, what a weird. I I wouldn't have guessed that this one would go three for three. I I figured for sure, Paul, you'd be like thumbs down. <laughs> um, I do hate this episode. Well, you guys knew. I, I mean, have I ever said? don't watch an episode i don't think i have <laughs> so you probably yeah. knew what i was gonna vote yeah i think you should watch all the star trek <laughs> that's true that's true um anything else there was no skeletons in this one so i'd also like to <laughs> there were no skeletons in this one i'd also like to point out that next the, episode um, listeners next episode <laughs> i'd like to point oh, out the, the very last scene uh of this episode with the uh the nod to uh george burns jo- uh george burns and gracie allen the uh you know, say goodbye, data, goodbye, data, and then the little uh-huh. chuckle, and the, like that's kind of sweet. Like it's kind of cute, especially like the he accesses, you know, blah blah blah. Ha! It still works. And then he tries to tell a joke, thinking maybe I do know what funny is, and everybody's like, "We got to get out of here. Like, let's go." Like this. Yeah. It's, he has it's, another accidental joke earlier with Guinan, right? My timing is digital. Um, oh, that's yeah, right. that's yeah, a yeah, good yeah, one. Yep. That's that a one. really yeah. good yeah. one. Yep. And she yeah. laughs, and it's like, yeah, that is funny, and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how little data gets it but. and so that Boy. those two things i think are a microcosm of this episode it's it's not yeah. not good not funny at all but then it kind of strangely is in weird Boy. but it still works but it still <laughs> works yep exactly so other jason thank you so much for uh, joining us once again thanks for having me thanks for not uh stabbing Boy. me in the back this time we couldn't do it to you two times in a tricking row. me into thinking you that you liked an episode and then pulling the rug out from under me <laughs> i'm glad you guys all like this episode it's uh strangely endearing yes are there things on the internet and or places you would uh, like to promote and or people visit or have you known by or would you prefer to remain forever mysterious 
Uh, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I don't do anything on there. I don't know. I just retweet stuff. So, <laughs> so if you want to retweet stuff that other Jason likes and read that. My uh, cool Twitter name is Jason Benjamin. Jason Benjamin. Well, my middle uh, name is Benjamin, but that was already taken. So I spelled Ben with two E's, like I've been jamming a long time. <laughs> I should get a freaking ponytail, it sounds like. So I'm listening to myself right now. <laughs> he lives by his that, own set of rules. window closed on you, man. <laughs> As I was explaining it, I was like, yo, this is a real dumb <laughs> thing I've done with my life. What am I doing? <laughs> and on that note, uh, we'll oh, be boy. back with another uh, review oh. slash recap of... Uh, of I have stuff. a... Yes, I have an audio. I'm going to make an audio request of you. But, oh, but I'll tell you no. after the credits. But I'm just going to set it up, listeners. You wait for this one. I think it's going to be good. All right. Until then, I'm Jason. But I'm Paul, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you out there amongst the stars, where your ship will break down, and then you'll get all of the action on the Enterprise because you're so independent. Just grow that ponytail. Oof. <laughs> I wish to know what is funny. Your mother. That is considered to be funny. <laughs> <Captain>. Your mother. 